Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Saturday, May 6th. Shabbat Shalom! Torah was meant to be lived out in community and in the context of relationships. A very effective way to study the Bible is in a small group doing a midrash or discussion. This helps you to go deeper into the Word as you take time to reflect on it, make connections from one scripture to another, and apply the scriptures to your personal walk. We have added a new feature on the Daily Audio Torah website. If you are involved in a small group Bible study, or would like to start one, we can help you. We have added discussion questions for you to use when your group gathers. We will post discussion questions for every Shabbat reading, and they will be posted on the website a week in advance so you have time to read and prepare ahead of time. We have also posted guidelines for leaders and facilitators to help you grow your small group in a healthy way. Just go to the new pick on the menu, Discussion Questions, and you will find everything you need there to nurture and grow your small group. We also offer coaching support if you need help or have questions. See the Guidelines for Leaders PDF for details. Have fun learning and growing in God's Word together in your small group. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we finish up the Torah portion, Emor, and it means, Say. Leviticus 24, 12-23 They kept the man in custody until the Lord's will in the matter should become clear to them. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take the blasphemer outside the camp and tell all those who heard the curse to lay their hands on his head. Then let the entire community stone him to death. Say to the people of Israel, Those who curse their God will be punished for their sin. Anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be stoned to death by the whole community of Israel. Any native-born Israelite or foreigner among you who blasphemes the name of the Lord must be put to death. Anyone who takes another person's life must be put to death. Anyone who kills another person's animal must pay for it in full, a live animal for the animal that was killed. Anyone who injures another person must be dealt with according to the injury inflicted. A fracture for a fracture an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Whatever anyone does to injure another person must be paid back in kind. Whoever kills an animal must pay for it in full, but whoever kills another person must be put to death. 
This same standard applies both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord your God. After Moses gave all these instructions to the Israelites, they took the blasphemer outside the camp and stoned him to death. The Israelites did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Ruth 2, 1-4.22 Now there was a wealthy and influential man in Bethlehem named Boaz, who was a relative of Naomi's husband, Elimelech. One day Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go out into the harvest fields to pick up the stalks of grain left behind by anyone who is kind enough to let me do it. Naomi replied, All right, my daughter, go ahead. So Ruth went out to gather grain behind the harvesters. And as it happened, she found herself working in a field that belonged to Boaz, the relative of her father-in-law, Elimelech. While she was there, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said. The Lord bless you, the harvesters replied. Then Boaz asked his foreman, Who is that young woman over there? Who does she belong to? And the foreman replied, She is the young woman from Moab who came back with Naomi. She asked me this morning if she could gather grain behind the harvesters. She has been hard at work ever since, except for a few minutes' rest in the shelter. Boaz went over and said to Ruth, Listen, my daughter, stay right here with us when you gather grain. Don't go to any other fields. Stay right behind the young women working in my field. See which part of the field they are harvesting, and then follow them. I have warned the young men not to treat you roughly, and when you are thirsty, help yourself to the water they have drawn from the well. Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I am only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied. But I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. I have heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. I hope I continue to please you, sir, she replied. You have comforted me by speaking so kindly to me, even though I am not one of your workers. At mealtime, Boaz called to her, Come over here and help yourself to some food. You can dip your bread in the sour wine. So she sat with his harvesters, and Boaz gave her some roasted grain to eat. She ate all she wanted and still had some left over. When Ruth went back to work again, Boaz ordered his young men, Let her gather grain right among the sheaves without stopping her, and pull out some heads of barley from the bundles and drop them on purpose for her. Let her pick them up, and don't give her a hard time. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today? Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, 
The man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us, as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, What's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer, and all the while she lived with her mother-in-law. One day Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. Boaz is a close relative of ours, and he's been very kind by letting you gather grain with his young women. Tonight he will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Now do as I tell you. Take a bath and put on perfume and dress in your nicest clothes. Then go to the threshing floor, but don't let Boaz see you until he has finished eating and drinking. Be sure to notice where he lies down. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down there. He will tell you what to do. I will do everything you say, Ruth replied. So she went down to the threshing floor that night and followed the instructions of her mother-in-law. After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family, Redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before, for you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows you are a virtuous woman. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there is another man who is more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I will talk to him. If he is willing to redeem you, very well, let him marry you. But if he is not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning." So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until the morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, No one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, Bring your cloak and spread it out. He measured six scoops of barley into the cloak and placed it on her back. Then he returned to the town. When Ruth came, went back to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, What happened, my daughter? Ruth told Naomi everything Boaz had done for her, and she added, He gave me these six scoops of barley and said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said to her, Just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. Boaz went to the town gate and took a seat there, 
Just then the family redeemer he had mentioned came by, so Boaz called out to him, Come over here and sit down, friend. I want to talk to you. So they sat down together. Then Boaz called ten leaders from the town and asked them to sit as witnesses. And Boaz said to the family redeemer, You know Naomi who came back from Moab. She is selling the land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should speak to you about it so that you can redeem it if you wish. If you want the land, then buy it here in the presence of these witnesses. But if you don't want it, let me know right away, because I am next in line to redeem it after you. The man replied, All right, I'll redeem it. Then Boaz told him, Of course, your purchase of the land from Naomi also requires that you marry Ruth, the Moabite widow. That way she can have children who will carry on her husband's name and keep the land in the family. Then I can't redeem it, the family redeemer replied, because this might endanger my own estate. You redeem the land. I cannot do it. Now in those days it was the custom in Israel for anyone transferring a right of purchase to remove his sandal and hand it to the other party. This publicly validated the transaction. So the other family redeemer drew off his sandal as he said to Boaz, You buy the land. Then Boaz said to the elders and to the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Malon, and with the land I have acquired Ruth, the Moabite widow of Malon, to be my wife. This way she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in the Pathra and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman, who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. So Boaz took Ruth into his home, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a Redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if he were her own. The neighbor woman said, Now at last Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. John 4, 43-54 At the end of two days, Yeshua went on to Galilee, 
He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his own hometown. Yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick. When he heard that Yeshua had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Yeshua to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who was about to die. Yeshua asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Yeshua told him, Go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Yeshua said and started home. While the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon at one o'clock his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time Yeshua had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Yeshua. This was the second miraculous sign Yeshua did in Galilee after coming from Judea. Psalm 105, 16-36 He, the Lord, called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Then Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. Then Israel arrived in Egypt. Jacob lived as a foreigner in the land of Ham, and the Lord multiplied the people of Israel until they became too mighty for their enemies. Then he turned the Egyptians against the Israelites, and they plotted against the Lord's servants. But the Lord sent his servant Moses along with Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed miraculous signs among the Egyptians and wonders in the land of Ham. The Lord blanketed Egypt in darkness, for they had defiled, defied his commands to let his people go. He turned their water into blood, poisoning all the fish. Then frogs overran the land and even invaded the king's bedrooms. When the Lord spoke, flies descended on the Egyptians, and gnats swarmed across Egypt. He sent them hail instead of rain, and lightning flashed over the land. He ruined their grapevines and fig trees, and shattered all the trees. He spoke, and hordes of locusts came, young locusts beyond number. They ate up everything green in the land, destroying all the crops in their fields. Then he killed the oldest son in each Egyptian home, the pride and joy of each family. Proverbs 
14, 26, and 27. Those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a refuge for their children. Fear of the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. Please enjoy this 25-minute report about my recent trip to Israel. I was there on an assignment for six weeks, and in this report I share all of the good things that God did while I was there in the good land. Shalom. Our guest is Laura Densmore. Who, uh, so tell us a little bit about why you went there and why you had to go there. Well, um, I was working with an organization that's been in the land of Israel for 40 years, and the organization is called Christian Friends of Israel. And they got founded by Sharon and Ray Sanders about 40 years ago, and they have a lot of different outreaches to the Jewish people to show the love of Yeshua in practical, tangible ways. So I was working with Sharon back in November uh, trying to get her teachings training her on how to record her teachings and then get them podcasted and put out on some different sound platforms. And I ran into a wall uh, with her. Uh, her, She was struggling with getting the audios to me via Google Drive. And then a big health issue came up with her husband and he ended up in the hospital and he had to have surgery and then he was in a coma. So I thought to myself, you know, I just need to get over there and finish what we started. So I'm not serving her very well remotely. This isn't working. I better get over there. So I got over there about seven or eight weeks ago, back in the end of February, and it was tremendous. It was They gave me an apartment to stay in, and um, I would take the bus three, three days a week, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, from the apartment to their main office, which is on Jaffa Street in the main bus station up on the sixth floor. And so it's quite different to live and work in Jerusalem versus being there as a tourist. So you walk a lot. And you don't see women wearing high heels or stilettos at all. Even if they're wearing dresses, they all wear walking shoes because everybody walks. You walk up the hill to the bus stop. You walk up the hill to get to the grocery store. And you only buy as much as what you can carry (laughs) back down the hill and up three flights of stairs. But I had a beautiful, beautiful apartment to stay in. It was up on the top floor with an incredible balcony and a lovely view of the city. At night, it looked like a crown with jewels shining and uh, three days a week I would take the bus it was about a 45 minute ride into their main office and worked with the rest of the team uh, from on the media side to collect audio teachings that have accumulated over the years so over the years they've done different conferences with people like Lance Lambert and um, Derek Prince And then, of course, Sharon Sanders, who's the co-founder. And these are classic teachings that just are timeless. And so I was able to get those converted from cassette tape to a digital 
audio MP3 format. And then from there, I was able to edit and put intro and outro on it and then get it put up onto the radio website. So the radio website, if people want to go check it out, there's some really great teachings there and also some Israeli worship music. The website is CFI, CFIRadio.com. And so Sharon Sanders' show that she uh, that I worked on with her is called Heartbeat for Israel. And there's some really great teachings there. What a lot of us forget, especially in the mainstream Sunday Christian world, is that Yeshua was Jewish, and he's the king of the Jews, and he's the king of Israel, and he's the king of the nations. And what Derek Prince uh, would also share, and he's an amazing teacher, I became newly acquainted with him, uh, he would share that, you know, if we if the Jewish people had never been, if there were no Jewish people, we wouldn't have an Old Testament, we wouldn't have most of the New Testament, I think the only one of the few writers in the New Testament who wasn't Jewish was Titus, and we wouldn't have the Messiah, Yeshua. Um, we would just, there would be a big hole in our faith if we didn't have the Jewish people. So Derek Prince, one of his teachings is posted on the CFIRadio.com website. He, he was there in Jerusalem on May 14th of 1948 when the nation was first born. He had married a woman by the name of Ruth, and she had adopted like eight Jewish children. So he immediately became a stepfather to eight Jewish children, and they were there with all the bullets and, and the warfare and everything. They had to hide in their basement for many weeks until it was safe to come out. And so he shares that whole story of how the nation was first birthed and born. So what's really cool, a, a little little bit more about what is CFI and what do they do, um, they have different projects or outreaches, and one of their projects is Project Forsake Them Not, and there are about 150,000 Holocaust survivors who are still alive in the land of Israel. And so with Project uh, Forsake Them Not, they have a person who goes out and who visits and brings comfort to these Holocaust survivors. And they've been doing this for years, for decades, actually. And so they've really developed some wonderful relationships. And when they first got there, you know, there was a hardness of heart. Well, how can I trust you? You know, but over the years, because they've been faithful and they've walked alongside them, showing godly Christian love, um, a a lot of the hearts of the Jewish people have opened up. So Project Forsake Them Not is one of the outreaches. Another outreach is Project Under His Wings, and that project is an outreach to people who have been impacted by terrorism, either that somebody has died from terrorism or somebody's been injured or wounded and is in the hospital. And so um, the project coordinator there goes and visits those families that have been affected by terrorism, and then another um, outreach that I got to have a little bit of a taste of is Pro Project uh, Operation David Shield. And that outreach is to the IDF. And I have such a respect, Bonnie, for the IDF because they are defending God's land. And um, so we got to visit, while I was there, an IDF base. 
and it was a base up in the north and um, they really showed us the inner workings of how they were operating and nearby was a Palestinian village and then over on the other side was a Jewish village and in this one room they had these monitors and they were bringing in um, camera footage because around every single Palestinian town or village, there is a huge concrete wall. And what the Jewish people have learned is that it's a very effective way to keep terrorism out of the Jewish communities is that the Palestinian communities have a big wall around it and they keep the terrorists in. So these gals were sitting in front of the monitors watching the surveillance camera footage and they are not allowed to look away for even one second. If they look away for even one second, they could miss something and somebody could die. So they would get into a lot of trouble if they looked away. So it's a very intense job, and their shift would only be for four hours, and then somebody would, you know, relieve them. If they saw something of concern, they would get on the phone, and then they would call the command control center right next door. And then it, so the, the gals in front of the monitors were the, the eyes of the operation, the command control center was the brains of the operation and the commanders there would decide how to respond. And then finally, if they were going to deploy IDF soldiers, foot soldiers, then of course, that's the feat of the operation. And what I found really refreshing was they gave us lunch. And at the end of our visit there, they hugged us. They Aww. were very, very happy that we had come to see them. And also I told them while I was there, one of the commanders, I said, I want you to know you guys are the, you know, you have the air force and you have the foot soldiers, but I am connected with the prayer force. Yes. I have several prayer teams I'm connected with and we pray for you guys on a regular basis. His eyes watered up and he was deeply touched. Oh, <laughs> knowing that, that there's people praying from around the world. Yes. And he told me this, he said, I have seen, not once, not twice, many times when we were in a situation where somebody should have died or something catastrophic should have happened, but instead something happened to turn it all around and we were divinely protected. And I know that's not coincidence. I know that's not chance. I know there is a God of Israel who's watching over us. So thank you for your prayers because he hears and he answers. Praise so Father. Yeah, yeah. I, I so. have read that it, watching the CCTV screens, like you mentioned, it brought to mind they only use women. They have found that the women have greater powers of concentration. If they put guys on the CCV scre CCTV screens, the guys will start joking around and they'll lose their concentration. That is true. At this base, they only put women yes. in front of the cameras yes. because they have a greater concentration. Yes. And in fact, I've also read that autistic people have the best concentration of all Ooh. for watching the screens. So sometimes they'll actually on purpose put an autistic person who's female in front of those screens. So one of the other outreaches that's been going on for many years at um, the Christian Friends of Israel is called Project. Um, oh, that's... Well, they have a name for it, but it's to help people when they first make, oh, Project Open Gates. When they first make Aliyah, when Jews make Aliyah to the land, they come with, you know, what can they ca carry in a suitcase? And so it's a distribution center they have set up 
where there are coffee pots and fans and heaters and appliances and things that you need to get started in an apartment. And so people are coming, Jewish people are coming from the Ukraine and from Ethiopia and from Russia and from all over the world. And they come to the distribution center and it's all free. It's given in love in the name of Christ um, to help Jews get set up and established in the land to help them sink their roots. So that's been a huge blessing to them over the years. So it's been a real honor and a, and a privilege to to partner, to be part of CFI and to help them get their message across. So I do encourage people to, to uh, check out the website and listen to some of the teachings. And one really awesome high point for me was I had a chance to meet Carolyn Hyde. And I don't know if you know who she is. She has a ministry called Heart of God ministries.org I think that's the name of it but she's um, an awesome singer and worship leader uh, and she's got some music up on YouTube yeah it's called heartofgod.org and she and her husband she's Jewish and she and her husband made Aliyah to the land about 20 years ago and of course she loves Yeshua and she's very spirit filled she's also an awesome intercessor and um, so she raised her two sons in the heartland of Israel, and they grew up, got married, and so they all speak Hebrew and English fluently. So one of the blessings of connecting with her was we were able to talk to her, and she gave us her permission to uh, put her music, Israeli worship music, up on the CFI.com oh, wow. uh, website. So I, now her music is on there. Well, I see, I see the link to it. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. What a rich, rich resource for everyone. Yes. The other thing is she's involved. She's an intercessor, and she's actually friends with your friend Kolia, and she travels a lot, and she goes on prayer assignments. And so one of the ministries she's involved with is called altarofprayer.org, altarofprayer.org. And what that is, it's 24-7 prayer for Israel on Zoom. And it goes on 24-7, and she has the Wednesday afternoon prayer watch from 3 to 5 p.m. Israel time. And she told me this story, and I thought it was really wow. She's got Zoom on her phone, and she was walking the streets, I think, of Jerusalem, and it was her prayer watch. And she had about 50 people on Zoom, and they're all praying for Israel and the Jewish people. And so the Holy Spirit just kind of whispered to her, turn your phone around, quit don't face it at you, face it out, outward. So she turned the phone around and then she spotted a Jewish couple and she walked right over to them and the phone is pointing at them and she says, you know, I've got about 50 intercessors here who love Israel and who love the Jewish people. How can we pray for you? And they opened up and they shared and then prayer happened. And so it was like an awesome way to connect in a real hands-on, tangible, practical way with the people of Israel through the Zoom call on her phone. <laughs> so wow. I thought that was really cool. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, the other thing that was really neat about making that connection with her, she, these two sons of hers who grew up and got married, they're connected with the Mount Carmel Fellowship up near Mount Carmel where Elijah called down fire. And they have an, a ministry of their own. And they are 
openly evangelizing and sharing the gospel with the Jewish people. Their ministry is called treeoflifeisrael.org. That's treeoflifeisrael.org. And what they do is they make evangelistic videos. And one of their most famous videos that they made is called The Forbidden Chapter in the Hebrew Bible. Oh, now, which chapter 53, do you think that might be? Isaiah yeah. 53. Yes, yeah, so what they did was they went walking on the streets of Jerusalem, and they had Isaiah 53 written out in Hebrew, you know, on a piece of paper. And they'd walk up to someone and say, would you please read this? And they would read it. And then the, and they'd say, well, where is this? What a righteous person this was that he would suffer and he would go through all this pain for his own people who who was this and then they'd say well did you know that this is right out of your own Tanakh this is Isaiah chapter 53 and they say wow I didn't know that now this is on YouTube and it has literally had like 3.5 million views many many Jewish people have gotten saved from watching that video and sometimes what happens is they'll stay in their ultra-Orthodox or their Orthodox community, but their closet secret believers of Yeshua. So I thought that was really awesome. Now, they went to court, the Supreme Court. Of course, they don't like that they're sharing the gospel openly, and they're, they're Israeli citizens. So the Supreme Court took them to court to try to revoke their citizenship and make them stop doing this. Well, I'll tell you what, Carolyn Hyde is a fighter. <laughs> and they went to court, and they won. They father. Won. So even though CFI in their founding articles uh, of being present in the land, um, you're not supposed to openly preach the gospel. You can get in a lot of trouble. You're just there to preach the gospel without words, with your actions, you know. But that softens the hearts and creates a beachhead. And then people like Carolyn Hyde and her sons can come behind and they can openly preach the gospel because they're Israeli citizens. So that was a really neat connection. And I was really glad to meet her. A scene in the movie where a pastor is looking at buying the house and he steps into her prayer closet and he feels the difference. And he says, wow, I can feel it. The prayers are baked into the walls. Wow. Well, let me tell you. The yeah. prayers are baked into the walls at Sakat Halal. They have a strategic location with big, huge floor-to-ceiling windows overlooking the old city and overlooking Mount Zion. And all of a sudden, I had this big aha insight because it's one thing to read a scripture and a prophecy and another thing to see that's where it's going to happen. So Mount Zion, here's the prophecy over Mount Zion. It's from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall go and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he, that is Yeshua, will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for, paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the Torah and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And it's a beautiful mountaintop and it is literally higher than the, the dome, the Al-Ask mosque that's up on the temple mount 
that Mount Zion yes. is higher. It is the highest mountain in Jerusalem, and it's green, and it's got trees, and there's a little building up on top, and I don't know what that building is, but it was just really neat to see it and to pray, Lord, may it be so in our lifetime. May we see that prophecy from Isaiah chapter 2 come to pass in our lifetime, that all the nations will go streaming to that mountain to hear the word of the Lord, to hear the Torah from Yeshua himself. So that was really, really neat to see. But they have government watch there and different kinds of watches that are usually two or three hours long. The freedom there, the spirit is very present. It's, it feels like an open heaven and an open portal there. You feel really, really free there. In other places, you feel a bit more restricted. Uh, so they had flags and they had different people from the nations coming to visit. And even Chris Mitchell, who is a news reporter with Jerusalem Dateline, he came and shared a message from his recent trip up to, I think, Syria and Iraq. And uh, so then right after I left, two or three days after I left, Sean Foyt visited Sukkot Halal and he led worship for about 45 minutes and then he shared his story about the whole let us worship event that he was involved with during the height of the pandemic when all the churches shut their doors because of you know quarantining and he said wait a minute we sing we're not going to walk in fear we're going to walk in faith we sing it but are we going to do it and he was living in California at the time where the quarantining was the worst. And they shut down all the churches, but the liquor stores were open and the Walmart was open, but the churches were closed. And so he began uh, doing outdoor Let Us Worship events and started on the beaches of Southern California and then went up to San Francisco and then Portland and Seattle. And it just exploded. So um, he shared about how our greatest weapon in all of this time that we're going through that's so difficult is extreme joy from the Lord. And uh, one of the Antifa BLM people, they just really harassed him and his team and they poured super glue all over the piano keyboard and, you know, did all kinds of damage and they would just get even more joyful. And the BLM guy says, I don't understand. We're really mean to them and we harass them and they just get more joyful. <laughs> exactly. That is our greatest weapon is to walk in the joy of the Lord in the midst of the. Uh, why were you reluctant to leave? Well, at first I didn't want to go because I was yes. concerned about the airlines and about their requirements and COVID and this and that. And then once I got there, I fell into a nice flow and made wonderful relationships. And, and there were doors that were open to me that would never have opened if I hadn't have gone. And so it's kind of like, you know. I, I don't want to go back. There's there's richness here. There's a richness in relationships and in connections and in being, I mean, I was able to write an eyewitness account of what I saw and observed and experienced regarding the whole judicial reform. I couldn't have done that if I was back in the States. But now that I'm back, I'm happy to be back. So it's kind of like my heart and my prayer to the Lord is, Lord, I am your bondservant. Yeah. Whatever your pleasure is, if you would have me to stay here, I'll remain. If you would have me to go back on a longer term basis, I'll go. Whatever your pleasure is, I surrender. I'm just here to be obedient. So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm really not a big city girl. And that, that was hard to adjust to it, because Jerusalem has nearly one million people now. And you get pretty crowded on the bus. 
And, you know, it, it's not easy to live there. It's hard. <laughs> you, you walk a lot. You can only carry what you can, you know, in a roller bag when you buy groceries. And then you have a long ways to walk with it. Yes. Um, but, but there's wonderful relationships and connections to be made because God promises the, the original kingdom split that happened in 1 Kings chapter 12 between Jeroboam and Rehoboam, between the northern and the southern kingdom, he promises that he's going to make us one people once again. And in Hosea chapter 1, at the conclusion of that chapter, it says in Hosea chapter 1 verse 11, then the children of Judah, that is the Jews, and the children of Israel, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, that would be us, shall be gathered together and appoint for themselves one head. And who's that one head going to be? It's going to be Yeshua. And they shall come up out of the land, for great will be the day of Jezreel. So he's going to heal the breach. He's going to bring a remnant from both sides of the aisle together as one people. The two sticks, the stick of Judah and the stick of Joseph, will become one stick in the hand of the Almighty. And that's Ezekiel 37. And so it was wonderful to have those connections with the Jewish people while I was there. Praise Father, and we are out of time. Thank you so much, Laura, for being with us. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, and I pray that everyone was blessed by this interview. And Father, from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.